Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. Now, I met some people. I met a, a Baptist church. Where are you guys from? In Mississippi. And how many of you are here? Two men, 18, I think, right? There's some adults and then a whole row of good-looking teenagers. Hey, First City, can we welcome them here this morning? Man, God bless you. God bless Mississippi. Man, thank you for being here. Y'all been on a retreat? Is that right? Are you headed back or are you? Okay, well, hopefully everybody survived and, and you're here this morning. Man, we're in the middle of this series called Running with the Giants, and this is our fourth week, and so this comes from a book that John Maxwell wrote with the same title. In fact, he wrote two different books, and what he did is, is he thought, what would it be like to ask one of the great men or women of faith just to come and hang out with us and run part of our life with us. So open up your Bibles to Judges chapter 4 and Judges chapter 5. And if you're watching us online, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we have people walk, you know, just watching from all over the place. Had up in Canada and, and several other places. We had over in Europe watching. And so, man, it just amazes me. But God bless you. So, uh, but, so we're going to talk about Deborah today. And and so it comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we have this great cloud of witnesses, which is referring back to chapter 11. And in chapter 11 of Hebrews, all these great men and women of faith who in their lifetime took a stand for God, even against opposition, even if they were the underdogs. And they accomplished great things. In fact, the Bible says the world was not worthy of these great men and women of faith. Therefore, since they're all up in heaven, they are cheering you on. They are the crowd, and they're standing in these bleachers. It's almost like the picture is it's a big arena, and, and they're all in the stands, and they're cheering your name. You can do it. You can do it. Go, go. God is good. Get up here. It's all. And they said, so lay off everything, all the sin that can entangle you, all the stuff that you need to get rid of so that you don't miss heaven, and then run with perseverance this race that God has marked out for you and so when we're running this race it, it's not easy laying off everything sometimes we feel overwhelmed we feel like the underdog how many of you remember underdog you remember underdog so only the old people remember underdog so this was a cartoon on Saturday mornings back when there were only three channels that you could watch Right? And so it was either watch something weird or if you're a kid, watch the one channel on Saturday mornings that had cartoons and underdog from 1964 to 1973. And then it you know, went into syndication and all that stuff after that. But he was, you know, he was the hero. And his little friend, Miss Polly, would be in trouble. Help, help, help. And his ear would perk up, perk up, you know. And underdog, you remember what his tagline was? There's no need to fear. Underdog is here. We're all like, yay, go underdog. And we've been rooting for the underdogs ever since. It's like, how often does the underdog, you know, do underdogs win? I mean, not that you're betting people in Vegas, but how often do you bet on the underdog? I mean, the reason they're called the underdog is because the chances of them winning or surviving are slim, right? And so, you know, the Bible is full of underdogs. David against Goliath, Gideon and 300 soldiers against an army that had too many horses and camels and chariots to even number. 
right? David felt like an underdog. Moses felt like an underdog. Uh, Esther felt like an underdog. And so the Bible's full of all these men and women who felt like the odds are against me. And if God doesn't go before me, there's no way we can win this battle. God loves, specializes in supporting the underdogs. I love that verse of Scripture in Chronicles that says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. Saint Chronicles 16, 9. Isn't that a great verse of Scripture? God is roaming the earth looking for men and women, young people, who make a decision, I'm going to stand for God even against all opposition. And oftentimes we feel like underdogs. I'll tell you, here's another underdog. His name is Jeremiah. Remember Jeremiah the Ripper? Remember, this is a picture of him. He's 10 years old. This is a young boy. This is right after uh, his procedure Friday. And so Jeremiah stood up here. For those of you who don't know, don't know he's 10-year-old. And uh, one of our members, and he came up and he shared with us that the doctors found this heart condition. And he had all this extra tissue, and they were blocking the blood flowing through his heart. And they said, we're going to have to go in and have open-heart surgery. And though he was nervous and scared, and his mom, Candace, was even more nervous, you know, for her son, he stood up here and he said, nope, I'm not scared. In fact, I have already nicknamed my scar the Ripper, right? And we're like, man, when you come back, you know, it's going to be great. Well, this was Friday. And so we prayed over him over a month ago, and, and thank you for those of you who've been supporting and been helping and praying over him. So I got this text from his mother right at the procedure. Look at this. Don't really know how to put this other than God is so good. He has granted a miracle. Jeremiah went into surgery, but before that, the surgeon wasn't seeing the same thing as he saw before. So he wanted to double check to decide and looked with a camera. They did, and what they saw did not require open-heart surgery. They only have to do a small procedure, cleared him to do continue yearly checkups, so know the ripper, praise God. How about that, huh? And he's scared, but he faces it with courage, and I'm gonna, it's going to be the ripper, and God's going to see me through, and this 10-year-old boy faces the courage, and he can't expect... You know, that God is going to go before him and that all those scans that showed all that blockage and then they get down and right before the procedure, they, they, right before they open him up, they're going in and they're looking and the doctor says, it doesn't look the same. Stop. And he went in with a camera and found out things have changed and we no longer have to do open heart surgery. Now, there's probably a medical reason for all that, but is not God good? God is good. And so we give him credit. Thank you, God, for everything. And when I feel like an underdog, but I face it with courage, God shows up in unexpected ways. And so this is what I want to say to you. So you can get the outline out in front of you, and you can take notes if you'd like. For when you cannot see the way out, God, with God, expect the unexpected. When you can't see the way out, when you feel like an underdog, when you feel like all the odds are against you, Everybody's going to laugh. People are going to walk away. You're not going to be able to do it. With God, just get used to it. Expect the unexpected. So today we're calling Deborah out of this great cloud of witnesses, and we're asking her to come down and to run a lap of our life. And so if Deborah were to come down and she were to stand next to you and say, is it okay if I just walk with you 
you know, just, just for a little bit. Uh, these, these are some of the things that I think she would say. One, let's just look at her story. And her story starts in chapter 4 and then in chapter 5. And let's look at her situation. She's like, you're, you're not going to believe it. The situation was so bad. Here it is, chapter 4. And, and I'm going to have to keep looking at the slides because somehow I forgot my glasses and my writing is too. I can't read my own outline. So, so after Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazar, the, the, the Canaanite king, the commander of his army, Sisera, who lived in Hurosheth Hagoam, Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Now, when I read it, the first thing I thought is, what was it that took them 20 years? Why would you wait 20 years being oppressed, being hurt, being scared, being abused before you ask for help? How long does it take you to ask for help? What if it's a secret? What if you ask for it? What if you did wrong? I mean, if you did wrong... Isn't, is it not human nature that I would rather suffer quietly than have to come out and just admit? Is that not just something we all, from teenager through adult, is that not something that we all struggle with a little bit? I don't know how they'll handle it. What I might get from you might be worse than what I'm taking on myself. And so it may be, it, it may just be human nature that we decide to live in things that are bad because we think that that might even be better than if we expose the truth. Man, may God help us to be brave. If that's you, today's message is for you. Today's message is God is pulling for you. And he's asking you to take a step in faith and trust. Oh, my stars. Ben Rara, thank you so much. <laughs> Look at that. Did you just go to my desk and find my glasses? I'm so, thank you for being such a good friend. God bless you. Okay, so, you know, truth is, if I can't remember it long enough to preach it, I shouldn't, you know, have you remember it when you leave here. So, uh, but I'm glad to have my eyes back. So, in fact, this is also in chapter 5, you know, what they said about how scared people were. Look at this. And in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, and the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads. Travelers stayed on a windy pass. There were few people left in the villages of Israel. They're too scared to go public. They don't want to go out on the main streets, and they're hiding. Nobody's on the streets. Nobody's out shopping. Kids aren't out playing. People are scared because for 20 years, these people at any time would come in, and they would take whatever they wanted. Now, if you're in a situation where you feel like you're the underdog, that you, you can't be, I can't take a stand for... Jesus at school because you don't know what I'll suffer or what I can't speak up about that at work or I can't tell anybody what's really going on in our marriage or I can't share with what's going on with my finances and and so it causes us to hide to get quiet to take different paths because we can't just be bold and stand up front today's message is for you but that was the real situation so here's Deborah and she's like, you know, that was our situation. And people were scared. And you're not going to believe it. But God chose me. And so I think the first thing that she would say to us is God chooses unexpected people. 
And in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, who was a prophet, was judging Israel at the time. If you would have read that as a Jew back in the day, and it said Deborah was a prophetess, and Deborah was a judge, and she was leading the people, everybody would have stopped and said, what? Is there no man in Israel? Is there no man willing to stand up and take charge? And it wasn't that there weren't any men, there were. And it wasn't that they were all scared. They weren't. It's that God chose a woman. Now listen, I don't know why it is in our society, oftentimes women have had to suffer because maybe too much pride in men, maybe because they think that's just it. But God has never had a problem with choosing men and women to take a stand and do something great for him. Man, praise God for that. And so, ladies, don't ever feel like an underdog or like I'm supposed to just kind of be quiet. You do what God has called you to do and do it boldly. God called this woman, and she's leading Israel at the time. But she would say, can you believe it? No woman had ever done that before. In fact, it also said that she was little judging the, you know, the differences in people's lives. They would come to her, and, and she would just help them sort out decisions. And so she's doing amazing things, and God's given her this message, but God chose her. In chapter 5, it calls her the mother of Israel. I love that, just the mother of Israel. Hey, when you were a child and you got scared, who did you run to? Didn't that make you just re remember when you were a kid and you would run? Is there any place safer than in your mother's loving arms? Right? It's almost like Deborah just had a way about her of making people feel safe, of letting people know it's, it's going to be okay. And people just went to her for that kind of comfort and courage, and God chose her. So the first thing she would say is, God chooses unexpected people. Can you believe he chose me? I mean, I say the same thing. I know my past. I know where I've been. I still can't believe that God uses me in his kingdom. I'm grateful. Man, I'm grateful. The second thing she may say is God gives them unexpected messages. So in chapter 4, verse 6, it says, One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kedesh in the land of Naphtali. My goodness. Don't you wish that the Bible had names like Bob and Tom and John and cities like they went to Mobile or Jonestown, something simple that you could read. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. And there I will give you victory over him. So she's just living life one day and God comes over. And God says, I've got a message for you. And I want you to give it to the king. I want you to give it to the warrior, the leader of the army. And this is what I want you to tell him. Gather up all the troops from these two tribes. There were 12 tribes of Israel. And God really only called warriors from two of those tribes. We'll talk more about that in a minute. There's going to be 10,000 of them. And you gather them together. And then I want you to march over next to the riverbed of the Kishon River. And then we're going to lead the army that Sisera has, all these Canaanites, and we're going to get them in that valley, and you're going to win a great victory. God gives her this message. She's like, God chose me, gave me this message. I'm giving it to the commander of the Lord's army. 
Now, I'm leading them. In fact, I don't have it in your outline, but do you remember what he ended up saying to her? Do you remember his reply? What was his reply? Wayne, what was his reply? Hey, hey, listen, if, if, if you go, then I'll go. But if you don't go, then I won't go. Now, when you read that, the first thing I thought was, man, he must be scared, right? But I, don't, I, I really don't believe that he was scared because he was willing to go and fight this army that had been oppressing them for 20 years. I believe he was highly respecting Deborah. I know God is with you. And if you go, God goes before us, and I'm all in. But if you don't believe it's a good idea, because God is with you, neither do I. I think he's just showing great respect to this woman, this prophetess, this judge, Deborah. Man, God bless her. So he gives this great message, and she's like, I can't believe that God chose me and that he's speaking through me. And then he's calling us to do something that is a little overwhelming. And we know we're underdogs, but we're going to do it anyway, which leads to the third point. Sometimes God intervenes in unexpected ways. God intervenes in unexpected ways. Judges 4, this is really verse 15. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. And Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Something happened with his chariots that the chariots wouldn't move and he had to jump out of it. So in chapter 5, verse 21, it says that, you know, these rivers, that, this, that God caused this river and, and, that, and they were swept away. And so what happened was every now and then, then this, it would rain and the, the, the heavy rain would pour down the mountains and come into this valley and all the mud in the valley kept those heavy iron chariots from being productive. And what those Canaanites were, were counting on for victory was that they could just do these circles around the Israelites and just shoot their arrows and with their spears and they could just easily take them out. But God removed their chariots from them. Now this is what I find most funny about the story. That the Canaanites served a God, an idol, a false idol called Baal. Do you know what Baal's nickname was? Lord of the rain. His tagline was, he who walks on the clouds. And God's like, you're calling yourself Lord of the rain? I'm going to show you who makes the rain. I'm going to use your God against you. You think you're so strong. You think you serve this God that's real? You don't serve a God that's real. I am real. And I think that's just amazing. In fact, God is so funny in the way he just chooses to destroy enemies in our life. The thing that you think is the stronghold, God is going to remove it because he's bigger than whatever it is that you think you serve other than him that is strong. And God intervenes in unexpected ways. And then finally, God delivers unexpected victories. Judges chapter 4, verse 16, Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy and the, the army all the way to Herosheth, Hagoam, killing all of Sisera's warriors, and not a single one was left alive. Sisera jumped out of his chariot, and he fled. He left his army, and so he abandoned, right? And so he goes to this place he thinks is safe. If you just keep reading the story, he goes to this little village, and, he, and, he, and the people over there know him very well because he's been abusing them for 20 years. 
and he goes over to this house, and he knows, and so the lady's husband is not home. J.L. is there, and so he comes into her tent, and he comes over, and he says, I need a place to hide. So she says, well, come on in. And he's like, I'm thirsty. Can you give me some water? And so she makes him some warm milk. Does not sound good to me, but apparently it was good. But she knew that it would cause him to go to sleep. So he hides underneath these big blankets, and she gives him this warm milk. And he says, if anybody comes over, you tell them nobody's here. And so she's like, you just go ahead and rest. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand, and she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. I love the way the Bible just, and so, that's the end of him. This mighty warrior was taken out with a glass of warm milk and a tent peg in the hand of a courageous woman. God bless women, right? And so... God's going to use whoever he wants to use, and it does not take much to take out whatever enemy you're facing today if you'll just trust him. You just trust him, and God brings these unexpected victories. So when you're an underdog, you're like, man, will God use me? Yes, if you'll turn to him. And will he tell me what to say? Will he help me? Will he tell me what to do? Yes, if you'll listen to him. And will he intervene in unexpected ways that, that nobody else can really see? Yes. And if you've ever led him before, you know he's going to do amazing things. One day, you guys are sitting on the front row, Wayne. You know this to be true. One day, you're wrestling with a disease that not even four people in America have. That's what you've got, right? And you have no answers. And your wife books a, a train ride. And you come back a week later, and you finally got the answers you've been longing for for years. Am I telling the truth? God is amazing, isn't he? God is amazing. That's just one story. And I know he's going to do the same thing in your life if you'll let him. And he'll bring victories if you'll just trust him. And so before Deborah goes back up into the bleachers, before she becomes part of our great cloud of witnesses again, I think there are three other things that she would want to share with you. And, and, and this is what I wrote down. Number one, I think she would say, throw off everything that can defeat you. Throw off, listen to what Paul is, what the writer in Hebrews is saying. You know, just throw off all that stuff that keeps you from winning the victory. And this is what it says in Judges chapter 5, verse 16. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the sheep whistle for their flocks? Yes, in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Did Reuben go and fight in this battle? No. They stayed at home. Gilead remained east of the Jordan. And why did Dan, this was, a, remember the 12 tribes of Israel, Dan is a tribe. Why did the tribe of Dan stay home? And then the tribe of Asher sat unmoved at the seashore, remaining in his harbors. Why didn't God choose these people and invite them into the battle? So that really puzzled me, and I didn't really know all the answers, so I just started doing my research. Come to find out, Reuben, as a tribe of people, made a decision that they liked living in sin more than chasing after God. And so God was like, he's saying, I wanted Reuben to come, but they were so caught up in their sin, I couldn't use them. And I wanted Dan to come, and I researched Dan. And, and the, what the Bible says about the tribe of Dan is they were so scared 
that God wouldn't win this victory, not just this one, but in all victories, that as a, as a tribe, they became weak. And God's like, their lack of faith, their lack of just being able to trust me, kept me from using them in powerful ways. And Asher was so indecisive. One day they would get involved, the next day they went one foot in the world and another foot in the kingdom of God. And God's like, it makes them lukewarm. I can't trust them. And so I couldn't use them. That's a, just a, a silent, amazing piece of this story. And so I think what Deborah would say is, God used some people in a powerful way. He wanted to use more people. But they were so caught up in their own life, their own sin, their own fear, that God couldn't use them. Don't be like that. Whatever you have to do, get rid of all the stuff in your life that keeps you from being someone that God could use in a powerful way. I just believe there's somebody here that needs to hear that, that you've been wrestling with stopping something, quitting something, laying it down, finally just getting rid of it so that God can use you in a powerful way. Man, let me encourage you. Do it. Let Deborah encourage you. Lay it down and run this race that God has set before you. Number two, don't let the devil rob your future. Don't let him rob your future. At the end of chapter 5, verses 28 through 30, you know, Sisera's mom is waiting on him to get home. And he's the leader of the Canaanite army. He goes, abuses, uses. I, I hope I, you don't mind me saying this out loud, but they would rape the women of God and come home and brag about it. And she's waiting on her son to come home and brag about all the ways he abused the people of Israel. And we have it recorded in Scripture. Look at this. From the window, Sisera's mother looked out. Through the window, she watched for his return, saying, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why can't we hear the sound of chariot wheels? And her wise women answered. And so she repeats these words to herself. So they're like, well, we'll, we'll tell you why. Maybe they're dividing up the captured plunder with a girl or two for every man. There will be colorful robes for Sisera and colorful embroidered robes for me. Yes, the plunder will include colorful robes embroidered on both sides. Oh, they must just be counting up all the stuff that they took from those filthy people. They must be abusing those girls over there. I can wait until they get back. In the very next verse, the Bible says, Man, may God be praised for destroying his enemies. God is like, this makes God so mad when the enemy rises up and celebrates your defeat. And this is what you need to know. This, is an, this battle is over your children and your children's children. And there is an enemy who could care less about them. He, could, he, he cares more about the clothes on your back than your kids. But he's going to take both of them unless you turn and just give your whole heart to God. Don't let the enemy rob you. Don't let him steal away your victory. Don't let him have your children. Don't let him destroy your family. Take a stand and do what is right in the sight of the Lord before it's too late. And finally, God has given you a winning strategy. And she gives us this winning strategy. 
One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is chapter 5, verse 2, because it is a three-point outline to success as a church, as a family, as an individual, as a Christian, as a one who wants to stand for God. And it just says, when the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. And so I love this phrase, when the princes in Israel take the lead. And I thought, well, what is that? But there's this other verse, and let's see, I think it's verse 15, that it's the princes of Issachar. It says, went with Barak, and they followed behind him. Now, the princes, by by the way, uh, Issachar is one of the tribes that also participated, but they didn't fight with spears and swords and weapons. Issachar was a tribe whose leaders made it a point for all their families to memorize the Word of God. And so they were strong in the Word of God. And the Bible says they stood in front and proclaimed the Word of God. And then as the soldiers went in front of them and went down the mountain, they chased after them, declaring the word of the Lord. You will find victory. Who can stand against the, st- the strong arm of the Lord? And they just kept proclaiming the word of the Lord. And so really what he's saying is, when the princes in Israel take the lead, when the word of the Lord goes before you, and you willingly follow that, worship happens, praise happens, and victories are won. You've got a great cloud of witnesses up above you. And this great cloud of witnesses are cheering your name. <clears throat> I got a text message from my father on Father's Day, which is a bit unusual because my dad died March the 4th. And so when I get a text message from his phone, it took me off guard. And um, I called my mom, and she said, your dad wanted me to give you that message on Father's Day. Good morning, my son. I wanted to speak with you today and let you feel my presence all around you. I was honored and blessed to have the experience of my earthly lifetime to have you as my son. I loved you then, and my love and joy now is even greater. I'm experiencing things now that are indescribable with mere words. Father's promises have been fulfilled, and the hope that lies within your heart is real. I love you, my son, dad. My dad is now part of this great cloud of witnesses cheering, you know, just cheering me on. And I've made a decision. I'm going to be there with him one day. And he's, my dad was so goofy, but he was such a good man. He keeps singing, oh, the time to be happy is now, and the place to be happy is here, and the way to be happy is to make others happy, and we'll have a little heaven down here. Come on, sing with me. Oh, the time to, that's my dad. And my dad's probably leading all of heaven, and come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I know you feel like an underdog. I know when you evaluate your life, 
and the things you're facing. I know you've got stuff in your life that's overwhelming, right? I know you do. We all do. And I'm just telling you as your pastor, I'm just, I feel like today I need more prayer than any of you. I just, I got stuff with my family and things going on in my life that's overwhelming me. And if I don't have God, I don't have anything. And I need your prayer, quite frankly. I'm, so I'm just standing down here just as one of you. And I know you've got things in your life that's overwhelming you. And you're trying to defeat those enemies, right? And you will. With God's help, you will. But today, Deborah said, you've got to take a step. You've got to step out in courage. Don't go down the windy paths anymore. Take a stand. Come out. Let the word of God go before you. And be a little brave. Praise the Lord. And God will win whatever it is you're facing right now. And I can see on your faces. Some of you are struggling with stuff. You can certainly see it on mine. But I don't want to hide it. I want to give it to God. Do you? So today's your invitation.